Welcome to the Crossing Church Podcast. This week, our lead pastor, Greg Dumas, kicks off a new series titled Undone with this week's topic, Less Hate, More Love. We hope you enjoy this weekend's message. Amen. Come on. Can we welcome our campuses? Let's say hi to South Shore. What's up? Let's say hello to Plant City. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Delighted that you're here today. Father, can we join in praying? Isn't it a good time to pray? Come on, it's a good time to pray. Father, thank you for all that you are doing. Lord, in the midst of a crazy world, you want to put us back together. But Lord, you said you're going to do it your way. You want less of some things and more of some others. And we surrender today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. amen and amen. Can we thank the Lord again? Come on, give him a big hand. Thank you, Lord. God bless you. Delighted that you're here. If you're a guest or a visitor, we are just, we're delighted to have you today. Thanks for coming out during the monsoon. It's fantastic. If you haven't seen it yet, it's coming in about an hour. <laughs> so do you ever feel like God is, uh, is messing you up? You just, you ever, anybody feel like that? It's like the Lord just messes with you. Like we're trying to get things kind of tucked in, put in a box, kind of straightened out. And the Lord comes and just rearranges it all. Global Awakening was here a few weeks ago. It would have been probably five weeks ago now. And about the six-week mark, the Lord just started messing with me in such an awesome way. Just messing up my paradigms, messing up my, my understanding, messing up, you know, for a long time. How many of you would like to have more dreams? How many of you would like to have more dreams? You'd just like to dream more. For a span of almost 10 years, I had no dreams. I, I don't know why, I, I was kind of stuck, maybe emotionally, and um, Global Awakening came and just, boom, I didn't ask for, I've asked for more dreams many, many times. I said, God, do you give me my dreams back? And I guess it was kind of just the overflow of what happened in Global Awakening. I'm just having dream after dream after dream after dream. Father, we pray for dreams and visions, and we ask God that you would lead us to where you would like for us to go. Show us heaven on earth in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We, we pray for dreams. Just the, I had a, I had a buddy um, in high school and kind of into our early college years, and he was a super suave guy. I mean, he was like, uh, I, I, just a handsome dude. Does that sound weird for me to say? A super handsome guy. But he kind of got into himself a little bit. Do you know what I mean? And he would spend forever, especially like senior in high school, forever combing his hair. And so he was in, he'd be in the bathroom and he'd just be, you know what I mean? He'd give him blue steel and, you know, he's looking at himself and just, you know, combing his hair and combing his hair. And so every once in a while, I would, just for fun, I would just go, I, just for fun, I would just, just because we were buddies and just, kind of just mess his hair up a little bit. And that's what God is like lots of times with us. We're trying to get it perfect. Everybody say perfect. And God says, no, not perfect. No, 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 not perfect. I want you a little bit undone. I want you a little undone. Peter is a great example of this, the apostle uh, Peter. And I want to give you a couple of scriptures as we jump in. Matthew 16, 21 through 23. Uh, do you know that we could have the wrong perception about what God is doing, right? We can have the wrong perception. He wants to update our perception, our understanding, our theology. And Jesus is talking to the disciples and Peter's in that group. And he says, um, I'm going to be betrayed. Uh, they're going to lie about me. I'm going to be betrayed. They're going to take a hold of me. They're going to crucify me. So 
They're thinking he's going to be a religious leader, a political leader, a financial leader. Jesus says, no, I'm not that kind of leader. I'm going to go to the cross. Come on. The cross is Christianity, church. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to suffer and I'm going to die. Uh, uh, Here's some good news. I'm going to get resurrected from the dead. I'm coming back on the third day and I will show you myself. Peter says to Jesus, no, Lord. Say no, Lord. Come on, say no, Lord. Do you know that we we can resist God? the will of God, and, and, and Jesus is very kind to him. He says, I rebuke thee. Get thee behind me, Satan. Now, he wasn't talking to Peter. He was talking to Satan who was attaching himself to Peter. Are you with me? And we could have, and then he says to him, you're a stumbling block to me because you're thinking like man. I want you to think like God. And he reaches over and he says, hey, Pete. Yeah, just does like this with his hair. <laughs> hey, Pete, I know you're trying to put it together. That's not the way I want you to think. You you remember Peter in the garden, he took out his sword and cut the guy's ear off. You know, Jesus is standing there. It's like, Peter puts the guy's ear back on, just reaches over. Pete, you're, you're thinking like a man. I want you to think. I want you to, Father, in Jesus' name, we receive the mind of Christ. We we receive the mind of Christ. Second scripture, uh, John 13, 8. They're at the Lord's Supper, and Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the prince, um, the, the one who is called in majesty, dons a towel, and he is uh, going to wash Peter's feet, and Peter says, no, Lord. Come on, say it with me. No, Lord. You know, we can, we can so easily misunderstand what he's doing, and the Lord says to Pete, he says to Peter, uh, I should call him Peter. He is an apostle. The Lord says to him, he says, if I don't wash you, I have no part with you. And he reaches over. (laughs) He says, come here, Peter. (laughs) He says, kind of, hey, hey, I know you're trying to get it all in order. And I know what you're thinking of is you're thinking of the fact that I'm supposed to be this king that comes and uh, I ascend and there's financial prosperity and uh, we're going to the top office and you're going to have, you know, the office next to my office and it's gonna have a beautiful view. He said, no, 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 no. What I want you to do is I want you to know that the greatest, come on, say the greatest. The greatest of all will be the servant to all. The greatest of all will be the servant to all. Next scripture, Acts 10, 15. Uh, There was a man named Cornelius who was a Gentile who had a vision. Peter is on a roof, he's praying, he has a vision. In the vision, he sees uh, animals that are called unclean. You know, kosher is a big deal for Jewish followers, and it was a really big deal in the first century. Uh, you couldn't eat certain things. And so uh, if you're Jewish in the first century, no lobster, come on, and, and, and no pork chops. Leviticus chapter 11 is where you find that list. I, wanna, I just wanna, I wanna let you up from that, okay? Everybody breathe. It's been redeemed in the New Testament. Lobster and pork chops are all right. Lobster and pork chops are okay. He sees, you guys are, no, I came to church on the wrong day. He sees a sheet come down to him, and on that sheet are all kinds of unclean animals. And the Lord says to Peter, Peter, kill and eat. You can go back and read the scripture. And Peter understands, but he doesn't understand. Come on, are you with me? 
his whole life, some of us have been taught our entire lives what is clean and what is unclean, what is good and what is bad, who you can hang out with and who you should not hang out with. And the Lord downloads to him and he says to him, he says to him, come on, we gotta finish this restraint. He said, no, Lord, come on, say, no, Lord, no, Lord, I've never let anything unclean touch my mouth. That's a pretty good record, by the way, because lobster is pretty tempting. (laughs) I've never let anything unclean touch my mouth. And then the Lord says to him, what I call clean, do not call unclean. And there was a prophetic vision, Cornelius to him, two men came to him in Joppa. They said, there's a man uh, in Caesarea that needs to see you. He's a tanner, he is a Gentile, somebody outside of the realm uh, of the Hebrew faith. So Peter understood because he had a vision. Come on, dreams and visions in the name of Jesus. Dreams and visions in the name of Jesus. Dreams and visions in the name of Jesus. In in other words, I'm not talking about para-reality, I'm talking about reality for a believer. Reality for a believer so that God gets to connect the dots. He took the 35 mile journey. He ends up in a room with Gentiles and for Jews at the time, it was illegal to fraternize, to be around, to be with people who were not Hebrews. And so he is actually trespassing the law. How how many of you have, you have different, how many of you are rule keepers? Come on, (laughs) rule keepers. So So he's breaking the rules. He's literally, he's breaking the rules and it's against the law and he's been taught his entire life. If you're in the room with this group of people, they are unclean. And if you're with them and they're unclean, you are gonna be unclean. But because he has seen and heard from God and God is messing him, God is just saying, Peter, (laughs) hey Pete. And so he's standing there with them. He tells them about Jesus, the Holy Ghost. The Bible says the Holy Ghost fell on them. It means that everybody in the room recognized the God of the universe is here. The Holy Ghost fell on them and they all begin to speak in tongues and uh, we release that in the name of Jesus as well. So, so, so listen, the Bible, the Bible's really clear about every believer speaking in a tongue to edify yourself. It doesn't necessarily mean that during services and all that kind of stuff, what it means is that you go into your closet and the Lord, the Lord does something inside of you and you can't speak in English any longer. That there's such a deep, that deep is calling to deep that the heavenly language, language is released. Nonetheless, this happened in the group. And then Peter says this, oh my goodness, the sheet that I saw that had unclean animals on it is a representative of an unclean group of people that I thought I couldn't hang out with, but God has sent the Holy Ghost on the unclean people. So it's my job now to hang out with the unclean people and show them the gospel. Come on, let's give it up. You know how big that is? Translate that to your life. Well, we've been, we've been taught, you know, this people, this group, not this group. This way, not that way. This way theologically, not that way theologically. Say this, do this, and, and the Lord is just saying, I want you to be undone. It's a series that we're jumping into now. The Lord actually gave me a dream for the series. Hallelujah. The series is called Undone. God wants to put us back together. In this world that's pulling apart, he wants to put us back together, but he wants it his way. More of some things, less of some other things, and here's what he said to me. More love, less hate. Come on, can we agree? More love, more, 
More love, but let's not be confused. More love. He said, I want you to be more authentic, less plastic. Listen, I I want you to be more authentic. I want you to tell the truth. I want you to tell people when it hurts. I want you to tell you when you fail. And I want you to tell that there's a savior in the middle of the failure. I I want you, this is what I want you to declare. Next, more activation, less resignation. Resignation is just that fear, that holding back, that kind of, and the Lord is saying to us, come on, activate, activate. And the last one, more worship and less worry. Do we need to worry less? Don't we need to worry? We need to worry a whole lot less. In the, in the dream that I saw, I actually said as a little update on this, the Lord said more worship. And I saw somebody with their arms up, more worship. And, and, or maybe like this. And then I saw somebody with a phone and he said less worship. <laughs> he did. He did. So, so we, get the, we get the angle, okay? Starting the brand new series. What the world says about love. I want to give you that. Because in our, in our culture, our society, we, what... Do you know that if somebody says something loud enough and long enough, they have the microphone and they're saying something loud enough, long enough, loud enough, long enough, loud enough, long enough, all of us start to go, well, I guess that's what it is. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so the world's ideology, paradigm, theology of love sounds something like this, something like this. Okay, love is love means to me that we all should be able to love how we want. And there's nothing wrong with any kind of love. Love is going to save our planet. Angelique Kinney, she's 52, and uh, you can go and and dig that up a little bit. Here's what I wanna say about that. At least one part of that is right. Can I get an amen? At least one part of that is right. But it's very vague, and we need to unpack it a little bit. Here's what the Bible says. Scripture says that love is personal. Love is personal. Here's the scripture, 1 John 4, 16. Say it with me. God, is it on the screen? No, not yet. Inside the little, here's the scripture. God is love. Come on, now say it with me. God is love. In other words, love is a person. Love isn't a feeling. Love is a person. God himself. 1 John 4, 10. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is a saving sacrifice and God is its source. That's what love is. So just to juxtaposition what I said just a minute ago, self cannot be the source of love, right? Self, the world says that love comes from self. The Bible says that love comes from God who is its source. Are you with me? God is the source of love. Humans aren't the source of love. We have to be loved with the love of God, filled to overflowing to love other people. That's what the Bible says. It can be perfected, 1 John 4, 18. There's no fear in love. There's no fear in love. How many of you have little, little children? Raise your hand, would you? How many of you have little children? How many uh, of your little guys, all right, at six or seven years old come out and they start doing this, you know, no shirt, right? How many of your little girls come out, six, seven, eight, and they put on dresses and they just want you to say, yay, you look so beautiful. Come on, church. Come on. Our oldest daughter in particular, she would put on a dress. She would put on 14 dresses a day. She would just put on a dress and run out, do this little deal with her foot. And she would just do a little twirl. Wouldn't it be amazing? Oh, church, wouldn't it be amazing? 
if every lady at 45 had that confidence, if every man at 55, not, not, you're not a man based on how much you can bench press. You're a man that you know that there's strength in your life. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if every man who's at 55 would say, yeah, I, I, the strength of God's still in my life. There's no fear in love. Perfect fear casts out love because you're in front of a safe mother and father. We'll talk about that in just a minute. It can be proven. 1 John 4, 19 says, if we love God, if we say we love God, we must also love our neighbor. We must also love our neighbor. And so who is our neighbor? <laughs> everyone. That's, that's a little slang, but everyone works. Everybody. Everyone. So it descri it's described in multiple forms, love. So let me just give you four that the Bible talks about in its translation. Storge is a kind of love that's described in the Bible. It means a strong familial love. Phileo is a strong kind of love. It's very powerful between friends, a bond between friends. Eros is a physical kind of love. And four, agape, which is the most special of all the loves, it's the biblical kind that really exemplifies itself with more than we could understand. It's called agape. Everybody say agape. Okay, here's what's happening in culture. Culture is saying, I want to describe to you eros, which is physical love. The Bible is saying, I want to describe to you agape, which is sacrificial love. Do you see the distinction? And what God is saying is he's saying, if you get, and watch this, come on. Oh, I pray this downloads in the name of Jesus. If you get agape, eros comes easy. Yeah. Yeah. The best physical life you could ever have with another person comes from agape grounded love. And when God loves you and God loves him or her, when God loves you that way, there is a physical coming together that is spiritual and wonderful and awesome and whoop, whoop. <laughs> Scientifically, eros without agape Boy, I could, I could, I'm just, I'm holding back. I am. <laughs> <laughs> Love never fails. First Corinthians 13, four through eight. Uh, the, the Bible says that love never fails. Why? Question to everybody. Why can love never fail? Because we go, no, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait a minute. My love failed. Their, their love failed. Our love failed. Love fails all the time. no. God is love and God never fails. God can never fail. So I want to say something to you. Just, I want you to receive this gently. I'm, I'm a little animated. I want you to say that. I want, oh, listen, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. No matter what you've done, what's happened, where you've been, maybe you've practiced Eros for a long time. God says, I've got agape for you. And I want to show you Eros in a whole new way. I want to show you I can do it. God said, I can do it. I can update that for you. What you, think is, what you think is dirty, defiled, broken, I will redeem. I, I can redeem for you. We, we, we've lived through it. Here's what the scripture says about hate. We want more love, right? Can we thank God? Come on, more love. We want more love. And we want less hate. So here's what the Bible says about hate very quickly. It sources satanic, John 10, 10. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Satan comes to steal, 
kill, and destroy. Two, its roots are found in fatherlessness. Luke 1.17. So the Bible says this, and he will go on. This is John the Baptist, the forerunner to Christ. He will go on before the Lord in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers towards their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It is a phenomenally powerful thing when fathers turn their hearts back to their sons and daughters. What's happened around the world are fathers, for some reason or another, have found themselves absent. Does everybody know what I mean? So, and, and, and so, so listen, listen to me for just a second. Absent or illegitimate or ill-intended. Absent, illegitimate, and ill-intended fathers. <laughs> listen, it's, it's not funny, but I'm getting choked up over it. Pause. Station identification. Thank you. <laughs> How many of you had a fantastic father? Raise your hand all around the house, real big. Come on, we're not down on fathers. Okay, good. Now, how many of you had, don't, don't raise your hands for this one, how many of you had a perfect father? <laughs> no, you don't can't raise your hand for that. You can't. There's, if they're human, they weren't perfect. Okay, you got it. Some of you said close. That's great. I love the adoration for fathers. But around the world, and especially in America, there's fatherlessness. So when a father is supposed to be present, but he's not, it leaves a gap in a little guy's and a little girl's life. Or when he's illegitimate. In other words, he's posing, trying to be something because he doesn't get enough love from the Lord. It affects a son or a daughter. Or if he's ill-intended, and ill-intended means all kinds of things. Are you with me? Okay, there's brokenness that comes. And that brokenness leaves us answering our own questions. And when we have a question mark, the devil is always awesome to be there to answer it for us. They don't love you. They don't care about you. And so what happens is we disassociate ourselves from father and we end up disassociating ourselves from father. All right, let me keep going. It manifests, this, this, this hate, it manifests through misplaced and unfulfilled desires. The Bible says in James 4, 1, what are the desires that battle within you? You don't have because you don't ask and you don't, and then when you ask, we spend it on our pleasures. The reason why we don't ask is because we feel like there's no one there to answer the question when we ask. Are you with me? I want you to know your heavenly father is there to answer your questions. He loves you. He is there. He is present. He's holy. He's just. He's never golfing. He's never fishing. He's never at a business meeting. Hatred is defiling and vengeful and dark. Hebrews 12, 15 says that, that it defiles. What defilement means is, is that you end up disgracing yourself instead of being blessed by the grace of God. The next scripture, 1 John 2, 9, it says that hate blinds the eyes. Hate is darkness, reviling, vengeful. It blinds the eyes. And just as an example, how many of you know, and maybe it's in your own family or maybe it's in somebody else's family, how many of you know two siblings raised in the same time frame from the same parents, but have two totally different experiences of that lifetime. Yeah. One sees through light and they say, that was pretty good. The other one says, it was hatred, evil, destruction, and the destroyer came every day. Right? So, so what happens is, 
is that hatred, the devil comes to us and he hands us stuff. And the moment we take it, he says, good, now I'm going to double down and I'm going to multiply that in your life. And then we hold on to it. We believe it. He comes to us the next time. Take this. We say, oh, you know what? I can agree with you. My heavenly father's far away. It multiplies. He doubles down. It multiplies in our life. And all of a sudden, a year later, we're looking back and we're saying, nothing good has happened to me. This is all darkness. I want to bind that in the name of Jesus. So, so bind that mess in the name of Jesus. God is for you. He's not against you. He's loved you. He's never left you, nor has he ever forsaken you. Maybe you have had a difficult time, but the light of life allows you to interpret life in a way that is victorious. It is not, you, you are the head and you are not the tail in Jesus name. The last one, it destroys to exalt self, Cain and Abel. Am I my brother's keeper? Cain's, you know, Abel's offering, you know, was awesome. Cain's offering was no good. God was pleased. He said, you know, and so he, he said, hey, bro, let's go for coffee or a beer. That was funny. I'm, I'm going to live this. So, um, let's hang out. And then he killed his brother. And so the, the terminology in the scripture says, am I my brother's keeper? And the answer is yes. Come on, would you say that with me? I am. I am. Every, just, you don't have to shout. Every voice. I am. My brother's keeper. That matters. It's a big deal. More love, less hate. More love, less hate. John 10, 10. For the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. God comes for the exact opposite. God has come into our lives for the exact, antithetical, everything that the devil wants to do, God is antithetical to that. Or let me say it like this. Everything God is doing, the devil is trying to turn over. To steal, kill, and destroy. God said, I came to give. Come on, everybody say give. And redeem and restore. Hallelujah. To give, redeem, and restore. Give, redeem, restore. To give, redeem, restore. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Can you imagine giving your child could you imagine? For God so loved the world, for God so loved, and I just want you to think of your name, for God so loved, for God so loved, yeah, Greg, that he gave his one and only son so that whosoever would believe in him should not perish. I'm not gonna perish, I'm not gonna perish. Uh, I, now, I, I, this earth suit's going into the grave, but when that goes into the grave, my spirit's going up to be with him. Amen. Shall not perish but have eternal life in him, the one that he sent, have eternal life, he gave. And then this is a little bit more contemporary of an illustration. How many of you have, have seen the movie Raya and the Last Dragon? How many of you have seen it? Raise your hand if you've seen Raya and the Last Dragon. Okay, raise your hand if you haven't been to the movies in two years. <laughs> there are no movies out. It's, there's even nothing on you know, Netflix. Come on, work. One of the movies, <laughs> one of the movies we went and saw, and, and so I, I just want to illustrate that God is acting. God can act. It's a it's a pretty good movie. I don't know about. I didn't study it to to tell you what's wrong with it. Do you know that there's a whole group of people that everything you see, there's something wrong with it. I want to tell you the whole group, another group of people that everything you see, you see the gospel in it. I, I'd, I'd rather be the gospel side. 
I'd rather be the gospel side. So in the, in the movie, I'm watching the movie and we finished the movie and the Lord said, that's the gospel. I said, I don't know. It's a movie about a girl with a dragon. He said, no, there was harmony. And then there's the appearance of the droon. And you see the movie, the droon is real nasty, you know, looks like sin to me. And then there was brokenness and hatred and spitefulness and the groups broke up. And then there's reconciliation and redemption. These are preacher words, reconciliation. I even messed my mic up. Reconciliation and redemption through the sacrifice of a dragon called Sisu. And the Lord said, I want you to update that. There was harmony in the garden. Do you remember? Adam and Eve walked with God. Then the droon showed up. His name is Satan. He actually was a dragon. That was funny too. (laughs) Then there's hate and division and brokenness, hatred on the earth. But then there's reconciliation and redemption through one who's not called Sisu, but is the son of God, Jesus, who came to redeem man. Jesus. God gives. God gives. The devil takes. God gives. Everywhere you want to take, the Bible says that we're walking in a spirit that's not of God. Every place we want to take. The Bible also redeems. God, who is love, redeems. He redeemed. Genesis 33. There's a story of Esau and Jacob, and uh, Jacob took Esau's birthright. How many of you know that's a big deal? He took his birthright. So Esau is angry at him. They've gone most of their lives. They're adult men now. Esau has 400 men. This is Genesis 33. He's coming after Jacob, and the Bible says that he intends to take him out. Jacob is a smart man. He has Uh, He's kind of the computer guy, and the Lord has blessed him with all these goods. And so he has maidservants, and he has Leah, and he has Rachel. He has multiple wives, church. The Bible is not saying this is a good idea, okay? How many of you are with me? Everybody agree one's enough? One's enough. One's enough. Okay. More more than enough? and More than enough. More than enough. Right? The Bible is not. So the statements that are made isn't a stamp for the patterns that they're there, always there. And we know monogamy is what God says. So what he does is he takes his maidservants and their children, because there's a group of children, and then the cattle and the sheep and the goats and the donkeys, and he puts that group, because he has lots, thousands, he's very wealthy. So it's like taking your bank account and saying, I'm going to take a third of my bank account and I'm going to set it out there. And I'm going to just hope that, you know, if he hurts somebody, he hurts them first. And then he takes Leah and her children, donkeys, camels, goats, puts them out there. And then he takes Rachel last. And Rachel was the mother of little Joseph. Very important. Then he does something brave. He goes out in front. How many of you you know that when you get into it with somebody and you dislike them strongly, the only thing you can do or see most of the time is some angle to win? Somebody help me. I can't think of them as a person. The only thing I could do is try to win and not lose. I, I, I'm going to position myself in a way that, that um, I don't want to be hurt anymore. Or I don't want their vengeance to come to me anymore. And then the Bible says that he does something uh, incredible. It says that he went, he went in front of, Jacob went in front of them and he bowed down seven times in humility, he thought, I'm going to lose my life today. I stole my brother's blessing. It was unrighteous and I'm going to die. He gets to his brother 
And Esau, who's the big hairy man, who's the hunter, he's the guy that kind of, you know what I mean? He's the one that blows up water bottles and, right? <laughs> mass, I mean, he's that guy. He's, he's, the, he's the dude. He's a hunter. Esau does something completely out of his character. He runs to Jacob. He throws his arms around him and he kisses him and he forgives him. Okay, so the important part of the story, somebody's calling Jesus at the Tampa campus and said, yes, that was Esau. The important part of the story, here's what I want you to get. God gives, say God gives. Okay, so you can give. Say so I can give. <laughs> yes, they can give. God gives, God redeems. See the redemption? What was stolen from Jacob, Esau paid back in forgiveness. And so Joseph was standing there, would have been, Joseph the young man would have been eight or nine years old. He's standing there with his father Jacob and his uncle. So you ever been through a lot of trauma? Ever been through trauma where you just, your parents are fighting or somebody is fighting and you're the seven or eight or nine year old just, I don't, are we gonna die today? And then your uncle says, no one's getting hurt today. I love you, I forgive you. You imagine, can you imagine the download that happened for an eight or nine year old Joseph at that time? The little boy who's standing there looking at his father and not understanding at all, but saying, you stole this blessing? I'm pretty sure you and grandma concocted this thing, stole this blessing, and oh, here we go. Boom, 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 We're all, I don't know, I think we're dying today. And then forgiveness comes to him, and they stand there, and they reconcile, and you see the tears, and, and then you leave. And then Joseph's life, shortly after, his 11 brothers despise him. They throw him into a pit. They try to kill him. 35 years goes along, 35 years. And 35 years later, in the famine, he's promoted to the prince of Egypt. His brothers come empty-handed. They kneel before him, and Joseph does what he saw his uncle do. He forgives them. Wow. What you do right now will determine what they do later. How you love right now, how you forgive, how God chooses to use you to redeem what was stolen from you, the person that may have broken. They're, the story may not work exactly the same for you. In other words, the person who offended you may not be the ones who wrap their arms around you, but he does. Our Heavenly Father does. He'll make it right. Even if they're always estranged, even if they're always hurtful, even if they never come back into relationship, you have somebody who is coming into relationship with you, your heavenly father. It redeems and it restores. How many of you know that your worst story is God's best story? Come on, somebody. How many of you know your worst story? Somebody's raising their hand in the back. They're like, I got a terrible story. Your worst story is God's best story. It's called redemption. What we think is the end of our life, God often makes the springboard for our life. Love restores. 
Roe v. Wade is the infamous Supreme Court abortion decision of 1973 and uh, legalized abortion on demand. I want to say this before I get there. If you've had an abortion, we love you. Come on, we, we love you. We, we believe, we do. You can, when you clap across campuses, we can, listen, I want to clap, but here's what I want you to know. Uh, we think there's a better choice than abortion. We do. It's called adoption. We, we do. But if you've had an abortion, we love you, and we know that there's a light on the other side of that choice. Now you can clap. When Norma McCorvey's identity was revealed in 1980, she became a hated woman in many circles. Do you know that Christians can be some of the most hateful people on the planet? Come on, we're all like, heck yeah. yeah. We can also be some of the most redeeming people on the planet too, if we get it. Come on, come on, say heck yeah to that one too. <laughs> heck yeah. Well, yeah, we can. If we get it, if we get it, if we don't, if we just let God you know, we're trying to put it all together. You know, Christians do this. God says, no, come over. No. Christians look like this. No. Christians look like your Bible. We hang out with, no, no, no. There's so many examples in the scripture. When, uh, uh, but Norma's life now has since been changed because of the transforming power of love on the part of some pro-life demonstrators. Some demonstrators, not so loving. Other demonstrators, very loving. Are you with me? Roe, I didn't know this, Roe now agrees with Wade in her position on abortion. She even wrote a book about, about it chronicling her story called One by Love. Go look it up if you'd like to. The plaintiff in the Supreme Court case that legalized abortions tells of how she became a Christian and reversed her position because people who continued to love her. Wow. She's now a spokesperson for the pro-life movement, and she agrees uh, with the Lord's position. Can I minister? Can we minister for a second? Those of you, don't bow your heads or close your eyes. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you what you bring into the light, you heal. And I, th I thank you when we surrender the secret, that secret that the enemy wants to keep on us, you reveal it, you heal it, and I thank you that you lift every lady who's ever been in this circumstance in Jesus' name. Appropriate. Amen. I want to end like this. Maybe the person that you can't stand the most right now, I'll say it like this. I suppose there's a question. Is it possible that the person you cannot stand the most right this moment may be headed towards an encounter with the Spirit of God? Is that possible? In Acts chapter 7, Saul, the man named Saul, brilliant man, who was schooled in this elite school, this intellectual school. Thank you. I agree. God is moving right now. Do you feel, across our campuses, do you feel God moving? God's, God's moving right now. He's ministering. He really is. The man named Saul stood by. If you could imagine, what happens to us is that we read a book and then we go to lunch and we forget. Wait, these are actual days with actual people with actual events. Saul stood there and approved of the death of a man named Stephen. And if today we saw a, 
a man who approved of the death of a known Christian person who had followed Jesus, we would rightfully be pretty angry at them, wouldn't we? We would say, they're a murderer, and so now we have permission, everybody say permission, to hate them. And God says, no. Because what if that person is heading towards an encounter with the Spirit? Two chapters later in chapter nine, this man named Saul has a Damascus Road experience. Can we begin to pray for Damascus Road experiences, church? Come on, for people. Come on, in the name of Jesus. The Spirit of God arrested him and he fell off of his horse. <laughs> Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me three times? And the man finally gave his life to Jesus. He stood up from the encounter. He became the Apostle Paul, wrote 13 books of the New Testament, and is maybe the most influential Christian of all time. Wow. Wow. So can we release the people that we're struggling with right now? Take a deep breath with me. Come on, I, I, here's, I want you to know this. Matter of fact, we're gonna say it out loud and I'll make it short, say, I can't do it. Because you can't. Say, but I have one in me who can. He's forgiven me so I can forgive. Wow, wow. Come on, let's trust Christ as Savior right now. Let's trust Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, today's a day. Before we go any further in our confession, I want you to know what Jesus did. Prayer partners, you can come at our campuses. I wanna, I wanna make it really, really clear. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he was resurrected. We're placing our faith in a resurrected Christ and we're saying what he did at the cross he can do to regenerate me from the inside out. Okay, let's finish our confession. Say, Lord Jesus, today I say yes to you. I give you my life. If that's you, on the count of three, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Raise your hand all over the house. Hold your hand up for us all over our campuses. Hold your hand. I give you my life today. We're gonna just bring you a card. Hold your hand up. Be nice and brave. Hold your hand up for us. I see you, friends. I see you, I see you. I see it. Anybody else? You'll never regret giving your life to Jesus. Never, 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 never. <laughs> Anybody else? I want to I I, I pause for just another moment. Anybody else is saying, I'm going to tell you what it feels like. This is what it felt like to me. Because I haven't always been up here. Lots of time I spent out there. And so here's what it felt like to me. I would go to church and then I was thinking this in my mind. I was thinking, eh. I don't know. What does it mean if I do this today? Are, like, are you coming to my house? <laughs> no, honestly, I really, I had those thoughts. Because it seems like everybody's trying to trick you, right? Come on, right? Everybody's trying to trick you. Listen, listen, we're not going to come to your house. What we'll do is we'll be available. And when you trust Christ, if you need information, want information, I, I want to go further. We're here to help you. And so there was that thing that was a little bit, and it's a big room, and are you, what do I have to do? What else do I have to do? Is it going to be embarrassing? I'm going to have to say something. We're, we're, not, we're not doing any of those things, but what we want you to do is we want you to be bold enough to raise your hand. Everybody say, raise your hand. So I'm going to ask you one more time to raise your hand. And then there's one more step. When we're finished, we bring you a card. You fill the card out. 
Because the worst thing is that you do something you didn't know you did. Everybody with me? I took an algebra test, but I think it was English. <laughs> so this is real. This is real. I want you to fill, fill out the card, and then when we stand up, in just a second, I have another part to the call. When we stand up, I'd like for you to bring the card to one of the people that are standing here, and I just want you to say, I'm giving my life to Christ. Because the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. So what we're looking for is, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Second step, you say with your mouth to someone, yes, this is me. And when you do, God hears that prayer from heaven, and he says, Holy Spirit, come. And you get the third person of the Trinity to live inside of you. So you start living. Christianity is not trying to live with a bunch of rules. Christianity is living with a new ruler on the inside. He's... So, and I'll finish. We'll raise hands here. Anybody else raise your hand to say, you've got a struggle going and you're saying, it's me, I want, it's me. I want to say yes to the Lord. Anybody else? Come, I won't, I won't do this for a long, long time. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Raise your hand nice and tall. It's, I promise we're not going to tackle you. We're just, just raise your hand nice and tall. I know it's intimidating. I really do. Anybody else? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Anybody else? Raise your hand super tall, nice and tall. Raise your hand. Anybody else uh, in the balcony, the bleachers, if, wave at us if you can. Well, just raise your hand. I, I know it's intimidating. You are fantastic. Can we clap? Can we thank the Lord? Okay, listen. <laughs> Anybody over here? Anybody over here? Anybody on this side? This side's anointed and receiving from Jesus. And right. Anybody over here? I say, I say, I feel this little, let me tell you what it felt like too. I would say, I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it. Why? I want to tell you why. Because I think we intuitively know that there's something that comes behind it. But I want to lift that weight for you. This is not about what you can do to please God. This is about what God has done to be pleasing to you. This is not about, this is not about, church, listen, this is not about you becoming a perfect person. That'll never happen. It's about hosting the presence of the Holy Spirit who's perfect in you and letting him change you from the inside out. Any, any, anybody else re, just yielding to that, saying yes to the Lord? Yes to God. Anybody else? This is, my, this is the last time. Anybody? Balcony or bleachers? Yes to the Lord. Okay, so be it. So be it. Now, I, I want to, in a second, we're going to stand. We're going to all stand. And those of you that received cards, I'm going to ask you to be the first. Be bold. When we stand, I want you to come to someone. Just someone who's here. And just say something super simple. We don't have to make this complicated. Really simple. I'm saying yes to Jesus. Because that's what the Bible says. I'm just, I'm saying yes. And if you need to, if, if you came alone, please just ask somebody to go with you. Husband, wife, friend. Come on, come with me. I promise. I, I promise. It's going to be great. We're going to pray for you. And then, and then there's another part. So everybody who received a card, uh, those of you, can you see me? Are you, are you good? Okay. Understand. Okay, we're, in a second, we're all going to stand together. And if you want to, this is the second part, if there's somebody that you still really just don't feel good about, it's a him or her or a them, I don't know what that looks like, and you just don't, you just, we're talking, and I, so, so much happened in 2020, so much happened politically and socially and economically and so much division in our country, so much, so much pouring down. Yes, Lord. 
if there's some, if there's just this there and you want to release the this, whatever that looks like, you, maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe some of you are saying, I have bitterness. I, I have the bitterness of a root growing up inside of me. And I just want to say, I just want to walk forward and I want to say to somebody, I forgive. And you just say their name. That's the first part. That's the first part of God unlocking what he wants to unlock in you. Are you with me, church? I forgive. And sometimes a whole lifetime goes by and you can't even say their name. That's the first part of forgiveness. The second is beginning to pray to bless them. The third is giving to them. Third is giving to them. Some of you maybe need to confess that bitterness. And when I say confession, I don't mean forgive me, Father, for I've sinned. I mean, I just want to say with my mouth, I've been really bitter towards her and I forgive her. Some of you may need to have some help dealing with the enemy because the enemy has, you, you're like, I want to do that. I want to do that. But you feel like the strong man has a hold of you and you need to have him dealt with before you can make your confession. Are you with me? Good. Why don't we stand together? Those of you who trusted Christ, would you, would you come forward just a, a simple, just a simple say, I give my life to Christ. You, you begin to come forward now. We're glad you joined us for this weekend's message. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash crossingchurch where you can watch all of our messages on demand and watch content for kids, students, and young adults. Thanks for tuning in, and we can't wait to worship with you next weekend.